0: Listen, as soon as you start getting outside of that, you're risking, you're risking a lot. You Some people will be risking their whole entire lifestyle, contact I'm, with their family, everything else. Yeah,
1: I'm going to take it a step further. I This is why I don't think we should tear down any of the statues, including the Confederate statues, for the same reason why we don't get rid of the Torah. And then the Vim and the Ketem, the whole thing, the prophets, don't get rid of any of it. Because... Let the future generations decide what it is. And let's not front that we were anything other than what we really were. So because we wrote everything down and we preserved it, an inquiring mind, somebody who's intellectually curious, you're going to read the story and you're going to be like, wait a minute. I thought you went there because there was a famine. Right. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought Adam and Eve were the only people on the earth. What the fuck city did you go to, Cain? How the fuck was there already some cities built? What's going on here?
0: With women in them.
1: Right. Somebody found a wife some... immediately. Right. Wait a minute. Hold Wait. on. Somebody's gonna ask some questions. So listen, you don't gotta erase... Or... That doesn't mean that you're saying, yeah, I like the Confederate statues. I like what they stood for. All of that's some good shit. No. It's just this is what we were. Yeah, but it was put up after the fact, yeah, because some people that lived at that time still wanted to let black people know that they really didn't like them. That's who we really were. That's what really happened in history. We're not like that now, in that many numbers and to that degree. You may have some little ugliness, but yeah, that's the truth of where we were as a country. And yeah, some of these other statues, they were built uh, by the Daughters of the Confederacy. It was some goodwill from the North to be like, alright, let's start getting some togetherness. Uh, we fucked you up, but uh, you can build some statues so you got a sense of pride. You guys didn't go down like bitches. You put up a good fight, but now come on back to the union. Like, you know, preserve preserve the history, but you don't have to preserve the negative ideals. And let future generations look at it and judge it. You know what I'm saying? And we, yeah. should, we should judge those statues and judge history just like we judge the accounts in the Bible. Yo, you, you wanna you wanna murder all the men, women and children? Uh I don't think that's a good idea. Yo, you wanna say that you can't um you can't charge interest and you can't have slaves of your own people, but if they're people outside of your person group, it's okay? Like, yeah, that's kind of yeah. fucked up. Our
0: problem is is what tribalism uh demands is that we defend even the worst? And we said this before, right. tribalism makes you defend scumbags. It makes you defend terrible ideology. And that's what's happening. Um, how many teachers do you think if somebody was telling you know if she's teaching a lesson about slavery uh, and somebody asked a certain type of question, it's very unlikely that the teacher was going to say, well, uh, it was a disgusting behavior, and if as people just didn't know any better back then, and we remedied that, and we've moved on, and we've progressed. That's not what she's going to say. She's going to say, "Well, it was just a different time." That's what it is. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get something that glosses it over and makes it seem like it was okay within the context that it was that it was back then, so it was okay. You should just be able to be like, "No, that shit was disgusting, and it was horrible, and that's why we changed it." But you can't have that type of conversation like when you said, I think it's a bad idea to go over there and kill those people. The tribalism of monotheistic religion says you have to defend the actions that God says are good. So if God says, take them little girls and keep them for your wives, you can't do no. Well, that part I don't agree with. You got to be like, well, hey, look, if God says you need sex slaves, then you need sex slaves. Right. And who am I to disagree who exactly? Who am I to disagree? And that and that just puts me in the mind for that's like bully syndrome to me. Right. That's like whatever the biggest guy on the cell block says is right. It's not right, right. just because he can punk you and rape you if he wants. That doesn't mean what he says is right. right. So just because God can whoop your ass and kill you and and then keep you alive in hell, that doesn't mean it, maybe he's just a scumbag. Like if right. this stuff, if this stuff that you're telling me is true, maybe he's just a jerk, an well, intergalactic asshole. Well, it's it's
1: it takes might to defend right, but might isn't the end-all tell-all as far as defining what's right. And right. that's and that lets you know, like once you craft something that is right, yeah, we, we aren't, just because you have the power to take something from somebody doesn't mean it's okay. And if you take something from somebody just because you're bigger and stronger, there's going to be an enforcement mechanism to make sure you get in, you know, you either make it to the Super Bowl next year or you going to, you know, Murder Island, you know, something we, we there's an enforcement mechanism to deal with you to make sure that, you know, you have to live by the right principles. So you got to have might. But I mean, that was the mark of the, the barbarity of the ancient world is, yeah, I got the power to take your shit. So I'm just going to do it. So to the degree that we become more and more civilized as a principle, we don't, we don't let that be the deciding factor. And, and really... There's a there's a tribalism in Judaism that the New Testament specifically goes out of its way to remedy. Like I I remember like um when they first started getting uh, non-Jewish converts to Christianity, it was like a big problem. Like how you gonna go? Like we can't fuck with them. Nah, they're disgusting. They're the you know the unclean. They're Goyim. Fuck them. We can't fuck with them. And then Peter having to have a revelation of like, listen. Don't call anything that I made unclean. Like everything that I made is clean. Like that to me, again, I don't know if there is a God. I'm not going to fight anybody over it. I'm not saying uh, anybody's beliefs are invalid or whatever, whatever. I'm just simply pointing out from an ethical perspective, it makes more sense to me that God would not have a tribalistic preference to say, you're my favorite race. You're my favorite people. So the idea of the New Testament going out of its way to get rid of tribalism and make Judaism more inclusive, I think that's a better way to say like, okay, we can all be God's people, but not based upon our racial happenstance, but based upon our commitment to principles that that makes more sense to me morally, you know.
0: Yeah, a lot more sense, a lot more sense. But even still, I mean, when you when you bring it into the uh, I mean, what is the conversion factor? How are people? I mean, it's a whole bunch of shit going on in there. I, I totally understand. And it kind of escapes me of how so many people are still so deeply attached to it that they refuse to take a step back and even consider it being something else than what a lot of people accept it to be. Just to bring it into question for a lot of people is like a, it's it's a serious, serious problem. They don't want to yeah. take anything from that and, and and open it up for discussion. And I've I never right. really understood why it's it was uh one just accepted as the people who wrote this were you know in some kind of you know, not induced reading. trans state and this guy yeah. like there's from the outside looking in, there's no way for me that I've ever seen to objectively prove that anything about that whole manuscript is something that's supernatural or outside of the realm of some people just wrote this shit right i've never seen anybody lay anything down that makes you i mean even when people say shit like oh the prophecies and it's like nope that don't work either like when you really look at what's happening and what's being said versus what's happening in the real world it's like that doesn't really prove it and A lot of this shit where about names, or if you say that somebody's gonna name a child something, and then you know, in a hundred years, and then sometime within the next hundred years, somebody who also had access to that manuscript named their child something. That's not really a prophecy. You know what I'm saying? Like if you already had the book that says the child was gonna be named the thing, so you name the child the thing that, like, "Eh, I don't know if you can call that some kind of prophecy. That seems like. Just you ordered it and you got what you ordered.
1: No, I definitely think there's some wisdom. Oh yeah, there for, sure. for of sure. Identifying what this is, I, I definitely think that that's in there. But I think the people that just kind of paint it all with the it, it's all exactly on the same level brush are people that haven't actually read it. Right. So the people that'll jump up to defend it the most and will get the most offended and again certainly don't want to go out of the way to inf- offend anybody but more often than not when you talk to those people that are that religiously devout they actually haven't read it and so what they're really defending is their culture because I'm I'm cultured within this paradigm I have emotional attachments to the relationships I've built to the guidance that this is offered in giving my life stability and structure So at this point, we're not even debating the authenticity of it, or are we really out there and we're intellectually curious trying to discover the nature and the reality of God or the origins of these ideas? That isn't even the conversation. We're confusing that conversation with the conversation that we're having. But when you're talking to somebody, the conversation that you're really having is, why are you attacking this thing that I hold sacred? That brings so much positivity into my life, so I don't pull at that thread when I'm dealing with one of those people, because I think it's good that they've built those relationships, that they have that anchor in their life, and and for the most part, they're going to be a, a for the most part a positive person. But as far as like the intellectual pursuit of let's kind of figure this thing out, um, that's a totally different realm. And I yeah. and I I just just like with the political affiliation and I got to hate the Republicans or I got to hate the Democrats for it. it. To me, it's just the same shit. Like agree with me, surrender your intellectual thinking or your critical thinking, sacrifice it at the altar so you can be within my tribe so that I feel comfortable having you. Well, I guess I can't be in your tribe. You, you, it, it just, we can't, we can't do it. But yeah. to, to me, it's clear. I mean, there's so many instances, like when Jesus tells the parable about the um uh the uh the good samaritan yeah. when he sits down at the well with the the woman that's a samaritan so already he's talking to a woman he's so he's talking to the wrong gender the wrong race so and it's in the context of this is a religion that definitely stresses tribalism it's all about tribalism and i don't think now that's not something i would say is uniquely evil about about the juice, that's what we were doing, what everybody yeah, was doing. That's what everybody or was doing. or what Nick thing. Cannon was doing. I don't want right. to infringe upon <laughs> Nick Cannon. It was the safest thing you can
0: partake. It's the safest thing you could be involved in at that, at time, that time with that right. level of security, with that level right. of access to resources and shit like that. Does it was the safest the
1: system. Ideal?
0: No, does but it, it was at the time. The best we're
1: capable of is just what the fuck was going on. But I think what it does is it gives you the blueprint it tells you what the game is. So I wouldn't point to like a particular prophecy, but these are definitely people living thousands of years ago that understood that the nature of what they were dealing with was power. And as power got partnered with more technological sophistication, it was going to be easier and easier for uh, the beast to, which is... In biblical terms the state to have power over ruling over people controlling people meeting out the resources because you go from two totally different paradigms it's really the history of city building if you really want to get into it because you go from a paradigm in Africa where there's horticulture nobody's busting their ass you're in an environment where everything's provided to you you just go you pick the fruit from the tree There's uh, an an ecological uh, equilibrium that ensures you're not eating more than you need. You're not eating to the point where you don't have enough and nature can continue to reproduce naturally and you aren't busting your ass. And the curse comes in when you inject yourself into an area where nature can't provide for you. You need to develop different tactics. You're going to start developing different skills. Now it's cold. Let's kill animals and wear their furs. Now, you know, meat is more important than agriculture. So fuck Cain's offering. It's all about Abel's offering. And then you start getting into ideas about commerce and trade and building cities. You have a more sophisticated way of living. And so what you come to know, uh, what you come to know as, you know, Rosters call it Babylon. And, you know, in Revelation, John is talking about Rome as Babylon is really just a metaphor for the most powerful state on the planet. Right. There's always going to be one. It, it so happens that right now, America, we're, we're that most powerful beast on the earth. And and we're probably the least beastly beast that there's been, but it still is some shit. I, I'm powerful enough. I can take your shit. I can make sure you comply. If I tell you to do something, if I tell you to get on your knees... And bow when I play this song, you're going to go ahead and do it. Like, that's that's the game. And so when you start talking about the mark of the beast and all of that other shit, I mean, how is that not money? You know, you're saying in the Garden of Eden, everything is there. You can just eat the trees. But then as soon as we get cities, you can't have the food from the trees unless you present the picture of the man. You know what I'm saying? Darius is on a king or Darius is on a coin, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Xerxes is on a coin, you know, I'm, Cyrus is on a coin, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln on coins. It's the same shit, you know? So a, as much as is ancient, it may not be prophetically accurate, like in the way that you're outlining, but it definitely gives you, it, 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 the Bible lets you in on the game. This is the game that's being played. This is how power is being brokered. This is how human beings operate. This is what incentivizes them. This is what their weaknesses are. You know what I'm saying? They serve their stomach. You, you, you define how they're going to channel their energy, you know what I'm saying, how people are going to get their food. You can figure out that if you stand in between them and the tree, you could basically get them to do whatever you want. It's like, wait a minute. I thought the natural order of things is I just get to the fruit. Uh, nah. We gotta, nah. We came up with a different system. And so what I need you to do is I need you to do some shit for eight hours a day. I'll give you some pictures of me, and then you'll exchange (laughs) those pictures of me to get some shit that God told you you're supposed to have access to naturally uh, in the first place. Well, why do I have to do all this again? Because they, the others, they may come in and invade our shit. So we got to organize infrastructure. We got to have an army ready. We got to. So all of this shit, it's just it's tribalism in the most sophisticated way. But that's the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know it's definitely full of game. It's definitely been used for a long time. I mean, in a lot of different ways, too. Not always good, not always bad. It's just one of those manuscripts. That's why The Book of Eli, I thought, was such a dope movie because, you know, the dude was looking for it so hard because he knew if he got his hands on those words and that energy that he could use it to become... You know, to the, the get access to the power that he wanted to get access to, that shit's definitely important. It's definitely important. There's a lot you can't understand about uh, just human culture, especially life in uh, in modern in the modern world, without having access to that document.
1: Well, just it's, think about the power of just people agreeing that this is what it is. Yeah, that's hard enough to do just as an organizing principle. I mean that is is powerful and western culture and Europe that 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 has been an anchor for us to kind of all come to a point of agreement whether you believe it or not it's so ingrained in our culture and our frame right. of reference for how we understand our world that there's just no getting away from it it's powerful yeah. but it also I mean think about think about the 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 dudes in the confederacy using the bible and the passage about shem you know what i'm saying listen uh these are the descendants of ham of course we can own them of course god made it so that they're supposed to be our servants and again because it's tribalism and you already have that concept in there uh we're a special people other people are beneath us it's god's will that we rule right. over them there's yeah. no getting around that, that that idea is in there now, yeah. who you want to apply it to and in what context, that's where the debate goes. But that same book, because it holds so holds so much sway and so much power, it galvanized the resolves of those men and women to fight on behalf of what they wanted to preserve, you know, their country, their culture, uh, and their slaves. Same book, Marcus Garvey comes along, you know, 80 years later And it's like, I'm gonna use these exact same stories and these exact same ideas and these exact same themes, but I'm gonna flip it so that it meets this uh, people group's needs at the moment. You know what I'm saying? So, as a, 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 it wouldn't have that effect unless, you know, you've already convinced people that it's something that kind of has this magical mystique about it. Because if Marcus Garvey would have, and there was for a while, he wasn't preaching the way that he was preaching. Like he got, he he found his rhythm, and that's when people really started fucking with him. But you could go to people and present the same ideas, and they're just, yeah, okay, yeah, right. that's a right. great idea, but I don't give a fuck. I'm not really excited about it. But you come along with those same ideas and be like, well, it's from God, and I'm going to say it in a very confident and deliberate and uh, uh, melodic kind of way. And now all of a sudden,
0: yeah. Right cadence, the right vocal tone, just the right rhythm, and you tap into a part of the brain for people, especially black folks, when it comes to that whole preacher vibe, for some reason, you can just get away with it. You can always pull it off if you got the right rhythm and the right voice. You can pull it off. You can say pretty much whatever you want. I heard, I seen the preacher say, "These hoes ain't loyal," <laughs> on stay, You know, on the podium. You know, these hoes ain't loyal, and the whole church just erupted into laughter and applause and shit. It was awesome. But hey, they, people are you. very uh, susceptible to that type of programming.
1: This, but he ain't lying.
0: Well, listen, hey, I mean, if they're hoes, it kind of implies that yeah, they're not loyal. It's not like right. saying it's like saying these thieves can't be trusted. Right? These violent well, rapists. Well, they're thieves. So, right. I mean, what, what what are you expecting? What they do from this transaction here, buddy. I feel like you came in with the wrong expectation. If you if you came to the conclusion that these hoes ain't loyal, I mean, shit, bro. You want loyal hoes? Where do you find loyal hoes? Where do those come from? I don't know, man. Where do they make them? You got me. <laughs> but, yo, that's the preacher, bro. That's a 100%. I don't think he's like a, you know, mega preacher. But he had a pretty uh, pretty big church. And son is just on stage spitting lyrics like that. Yo. That's the whole point. And there's, there's people right now that's doing all kind of lectures and talking about all kinds of shit. And they hold on to that same energy because it's so appealing to a certain demographic. Now, what what's the demographic... like? Who was uh, what's the guy? Um, who's Baker? Who's Baker? Oh, who's- Jim Baker. Right now, when you watch him and you see how he talks, like I, he he just sounds crazy to me. He just sounds off his fucking rocker. But he does sell, uh, hundred pound buckets of potato salad, which everybody should have. Listen, I mean, if you take your life seriously, how do you not have? a 50-pound, at least a 50-pound bucket of rice. Listen,
1: when the apocalypse happens, this 100-gallon tub of potato salad is going to make sure you don't die and go see Jesus.
0: So, <laughs> yeah, it's going to stick We're going to huh? keep you here on hell on earth for as long as possible. Well, yeah, get all of this. And the best thing about that bucket of potato salad, according to Jim, is that when After you're done... You after you eat all the potato salad, you can take a dump in the bucket.
1: Put the potato salad right back where it came from.
0: Listen, I love ashes ashes. I love the fact that it has multi-uses, and it's not just to be thrown away when you're done with the food. I have to give him that much. At least he's thinking ahead. What are you going to do with the doo-doo? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I love Listen. it, bro. It's fear politics at its best. If you're gonna get people scared about the world and tell them about how fucked up the world is, you might as well sell them some doomsday shit. You might as well. What you getting them all riled up for if you're not gonna sell them doomsday packages? It's definitely,
1: and you know, there's so there's so many uh, problematic. And if it's <laughs> offensive, disavow. I'm sorry. Oh, but oh about Jim Baker. Uh, listen, you can say whatever you want about Jim Baker, bro. Maybe you can, but just in case, I don't want to be offensive. I want to be sensitive. Um, but the hardest thing to buy into any of this, and will kind of let you know that everybody is full of shit, is that what are we organizing and doing for ourselves that God isn't supposed to already be doing for us? Why? Why do I need your 100-gallon tub of potato salad? When the shit goes down, isn't God coming to save us? Like, what what, <sighs> what are we planning on here exactly? That's a rough one. And, it's, and, and look, and the fucked-up thing about it is Marcus Garvey could have probably... Well, no, I'm not going to say he probably could have. His ideas could have been everything that they were at that time he could have had just as much business acumen he could have been just as much disciplined and strategizing to improve the condition of black people as he was um in 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 how he manifested his message but without couching it in religious language i don't think we would have even known who he was he yeah. he would he he would he would be more of a footnote in history. He wouldn't. He wouldn't have made the impact that he had. And it's unfortunate, but look, uh, Moses came down and he was pissed. That's that's the that's gonna be the that's gonna be the destiny of everybody that would want to lead human beings for their own good. You gotta sell them on some bullshit. You can't just go to them with, hey. This is what's going to help improve our condition. Hey, this is what we need to do. They're just, you got to mesmerize them. Well, not You got to hypnotize them.
0: Well, let's not say bullshit, right? But I I see exactly what you mean, and I 100% agree. But we don't have to give them bullshit. People have been giving them a lot of bullshit for a long time. And it almost seems like people seem to prefer it a little bit. But They they do. They love it. There has to be a way to give them the busy work that they need to give them the meat that they need to chew on while not getting them bogged down in a bunch of bullshit that's going to be self-destructive in the practical application you know what i'm saying i I think uh it just takes a little bit more planning a little bit more refining and i think it's easy enough to just get them mesmerized with the regular old shit which is why most people just stop there but if we if we would have crafted the right way, it could really be everything that people need. It could be the best of both worlds. Because all the busy work does really exist. It's all there. All of the concepts and and ideas within spirituality and metaphysics, they're all really there, but people get lost in that. And they, and it gets disconnected from where you're actually trying to get to. You know, and, there's a point behind all this shit.
1: And human beings are so easily corruptible we're so fucked up that usually the only people that are motivated to put forth something like that and get the ball rolling are people that are there solely for the purpose of exploiting. So it's like, if, if you need this and I got to sell this on you, I'm going to have you as putty in my hand. And if I have you as putty in my hand, I have a choice I can be a decent fucking human being and not pimp you, but I can inspire you into something positive. Maybe I can make a little bit of money and sustain myself because what I'm doing is valuable. I'm giving your life structure. I'm helping improve your condition. I'm giving you the principles that are going to make you a better you if that's what you're into, right? I'm, I'm giving you something of value, But I don't have to so squeeze you and extract you and I don't have to keep you in a state of infantile desperation that you feel that I need to spoon feed you constantly. And the the reality is, is there's never a graduation. You're never spiritual enough that you don't have to keep showing up. The sales pitch is yeah, you're always going to need to come here. You're always going to need 10% Every week, every month, however you want to calculate it, I need a tenth. Well, what are we doing? Are we Because there there seems to be a lot of hungry people, and it seems like shit is kind of fucked up. I mean, look, we're in the middle of the hood. There's not a lot of jobs here. So, I mean, if we're giving 10%, I mean, I made, you know, 100 grand last year. That means I gave you 10 grand. So, you got 10 grand from me. Like, that can't go towards creating a job? Like, are we building a factory? Are we giving... Are we giving people some ability to actually economically improve their conditions, not just kind of get these principles? Because at the end of the day, we can give these people all these great characteristics, right? But if there's no work to be done, if there's no resources here, what's the point, right? Or are we just helping you get another fucking private jet, another fucking tailored suit, another fucking Mercedes, Another, like, why? Like, what? why is this the necessary overhead? I understand that you deserve some money for what you're contributing, but, like, are we putting up this money to truly solve problems? No. and, And there's way too much religious activity and religious fervor that doesn't do it. And with all the race shit and all the religious shit and all the rhetoric that's circulating, we all need to get to a point of, bottom line results. If we're not getting results, there's a lot of shit we need to stop fucking with. Like...
0: Period. Yeah. Period. There's not a whole lot to talk about with that because we see what's not what's not working and it's been not working the same way for who knows how long. I think the setup of the whole church structure, the reason they can get away with it is because when they're getting paid, they're, they're getting paid for doing the work they've already done. You can't expect much more for them because just by being set up as this outlet and this connection to spirituality, they've already done the work. That's their work. So that's what you're paying them for. So with everything else is is extra. you asking them for more. You're asking them about doing some community outreach. It's like, I'm giving you access to God. What is that worth to you? Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm already, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, my work is already done. So everything you pay me is for that. So, And then the more stuff they get It proves them right Because they're telling you That the reason that they're getting all this shit Is because they're faithful to God And God's giving me Rolls Royces So as long as I'm doing God's work And I'm getting these Rolls Royces You can't really argue with me Listen
1: We need to be acutely aware Of the people like that We can still love them We can still praise them for the good that they do Because most people, even, even Al Sharpton has had to do something good. He's helped somebody. I don't know what he does, oh, yeah, he does yeah. privately with his money. He's had to done some good. A lot of bullshit, a lot of hustling, a a, a lot of fucking deceit. But, you know, maybe he... I'm not going to be so judgmental if if he produced some sort of good result. But the shit that we we keep falling for with all of this shit is somebody's getting fucking rich and the conditions of the majority of people aren't changing. When we see that dynamic at work, our ears should perk up like, oh, this is some bullshit. Because <laughs> if you can organize and have tax-exempt status, meaning you get to keep every fucking dollar that you make, if we're going to organize ourselves in that way and we can't go into the hood and fucking create jobs, create businesses, and we're siphoning tax-free fucking money, but all we're doing is creating an industry that perpetuates itself and guarantees an income, but fundamentally solves no problems, we're fucking falling for that bullshit. Kenneth Copeland getting another fucking jet, yo, full of shit. Colin Kaepernick not making it as a fucking quarterback, but getting $100 million in endorsements for activism when the changes, the fundamental changes that are necessary to improve the conditions of the people that he supposedly represent are stagnant? You telling me there's, there's still ridiculous murder rates? Where the fuck is that $100 million going except giving you a cushy life? Right. How is that service to the people if you're just enriching yourself? You wearing like Che Guevara shirts and shit. Which is where's goofy the as socialism? Fuck. Goofy as fuck. Yo, and, and move socks, to, socks
0: with cop pigs look, on.
1: Move to the fucking hood. Take that hundred million dollars. Buy up a block in the projects and Gary, and and you're gonna start making the money because you own it. So all of that Section 8 money is coming to you and live on the bottom rung of the society you want to create. Because that's socialism. Live it out. But how the fuck are you going to be preaching this socialist shit, but you're living a capitalist existence in which you are so far removed from the poverty and misery of the people you say, well, I'm using my money for advocacy and comfort. You ain't living in a A little house. A lot of
0: comfort. It's more comfort than anything else. You're absolutely right.
1: So we need to start holding these people to fucking account. If you made $100 million and you are supposedly the mouthpiece of somebody that's living off of $16,000 a year, something's wrong. Because why isn't that capital going into improving their conditions? And especially, I I think as hip hoppers, we're the most enlightened people in America. I I really and truly think that. There's some other groups, but they're mostly wrapped up in their political shit or their racial shit. Like, as far as being able to really analyze shit, I think we're in a unique position because there's a hodgepodge of so many different ideas, religions, and cultures that are all kind of meshed together. I think you get exposed to the most shit, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think for us, like, we should be asking the question, like, if we feel any kind of social responsibility for improving the conditions of people that are living a shitty existence, we got to ask ourselves, look, if Nas is a billionaire... And Jay-Z is a billionaire, right? And Kanye is a billionaire. But the project still exists. Getting the getting money in the hands of of a few black people isn't going to fix shit. It's not like, oh, there's some black billionaires now, so uh, poverty and all the other shit, it should just evaporate overnight. No, nah, that's not working. Well, you know, Republicans are racist. If we just get Democratic control and, yeah, there's Democratic mayors, there's black police chiefs, there's majority black police in Atlanta, in Missouri, in Minneapolis, a- a- any of these major places where you go where black people are suffering, supposedly, we've got the right political party in place, we've got the right people in charge, we got the right political philosophy at work, we're enriching and empowering the right people, we made Cap millionaire, he speaks for us, We made Nas a billionaire. He speaks for us. We made Jay-Z a billionaire. He speaks for us. Right? Right? So we got the right structure, the right philosophy, the right people got the money. Why is shit still fucked up then?
0: Right. Because there's no connection and there's no real obligation. Because that would be, uh, what is that? Is that socialism or the other one? What's the other one? The worst one everybody talks about? Oh,
1: communism. Right. right. Socialism is
0: communism light. Yeah. So it, it, that that's what uh, that's the territory you're getting into when you try to appeal to being like, well, since you came out of this struggle and you know what people are something. going through, you owe something, and it would be good if you, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm sure there's a lot of conversations can be had with economists and structural engineers and people who can figure out how to do this shit, right? But there's no there's no established connection. There's no body politic. There's nothing that says this is the good thing to be done. That compassion is not currency in the, under the current paradigm. So there's no real reason. There's no incentive for them to do it. And, and you can't really blame them because I don't think that's in place for anybody. It's, I don't think uh, that, uh, white people have any type of connection to white billionaires like, oh, you're supposed to be doing... I mean, there's people who think philanthropy is good and charity is good and all of that, but it's not based on color for them. It's not based right. on group economics like that. So... What, what is even a precedent for us to make those kind of claims or have those type of entitlements when it comes to that there's nothing established that would inform those kind of actions? We would just be asking for a handout, really.
1: But if we make it a religion right. and say, verily, Tupac prophesized against thee and said people will use the ghetto for their misery, for their pain, to make their songs, there is wealth extraction that's taking place because people are using the culture of the worst conditions that exist in America to make themselves millionaires and billionaires. That's why it's a little bit different than, hey, we're all white. You're a billionaire. Help me out. I'm a I'm a poor white person. Right. Because those billionaires aren't selling their product as something in service of all white people. That's the difference because really if we're decent human beings we should just say, hey the condition of the worst person within our civilization, we want to make that as good as possible. Right. We understand we're all not going to get the same results, but I don't want to create a civilization in which I wouldn't be happy landing anywhere on the spectrum of possibilities. So If I could be a millionaire or a billionaire, cool. That's a possibility. I like that. But if shit goes awry and I end up on the other side, can I live with that as well? And I think our obligation transcending race, transcending politics, just in the name of, again, getting results, if we're not developing a civilization where we can be happy about the results, for if you fall to the bottom of the barrel... That's a fucked up society. And the reality is we can't force people to do it, but nothing is stopping us from actually creating it. Nothing is stopping Jay-Z, Nas, LeBron James, all of these people that speak on behalf of supposedly caring for the oppressed. And LeBron James did buy a school. He put up like 3 million. That's not to say that none of these people have, have given up a generous chunk of their wealth in service of the people, right? Right, But what we're capable of doing in terms of charity, like, yeah, you could renovate, you could could renovate and own all of the buildings where all this shit is fucked up. And if what you're saying is, yo, the police are racist, everything is failing, everything is fucked up, yo, you got enough money, you could go buy it and change it. You could own the fucking block. You could own it, but... But the thing is, is like now that you're a businessman, you looking at the same place where you're saying nobody wants to put up and help and nobody wants to fix the problem. And you're looking at it with all the money that you got to lose. And you're like, yo,
0: what's my ROI going to be on? Right, right. Whatever, I'm not getting a return on investment. That's the back end conversation is if it's instilled in the consciousness of people beforehand, like you said, you, and it might already have been that concept, I'm sure is weaved into some spiritual systems and religions and stuff like that. But nobody's not nobody, but most people aren't holding each other accountable to it. But if you have that already installed in the consciousness of the population, your actions become profitable. You know what I'm saying? Like we, you make it so that if you taking a chance on installing these type of systems and opening these businesses, just by you doing that makes your business more attractive and and, uh, and it makes it work out better for you in the long run because people understand the significance of what you invested in. That's how it should work anyway. Listen, and you don't even
1: have to be like, because here's the thing too, where it's, this is where we get fucked up because we keep evaluating shit based on tribalism. But not based on the merits of the principle of the action. When Ice Cube moved out of the hood, why didn't we call that white flight?
0: Mm, right.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's, why? 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 Why when Nas moved out of Queensbridge? Why didn't we call that white flight? If 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 there's an identity to be had, why is the expectation that you're just gonna leave?
0: Right. And
1: and if the goal is just to leave then isn't that kind of admitting that everything that we're representing and making money off of is fucking poisonous?
0: Right. And you're trying to escape it.
1: Right. We're trying to get as far away from it, but we want to represent it everywhere we go. And Mm -hmm. that's going to be our vehicle for making money.
0: And the people who come in to try to reshape the landscape are the enemy. Right. The gentrifiers. And right. all the people who who all the people who amass some type of fortune and and then leave and go buy you know mansions or whatever they do that's completely understandable. But the people who come in and try to reshape the landscape and inject revenue into it, those people are are perceived as the enemy.
1: Look, let me tell you when I'll believe any of these people. Okay, and that's not to say that they haven't done any good, but at the end of the day all of these people that supposedly speak for the common man it's a hustle and all it is is a hustle it's to appease you so you don't eat them so they're still seen as hey they're one of us but they're on a totally different echelon and they may care to a certain degree whether you make it to that level or not but not enough where they're going to jeopardize anything for themselves so I'm not saying you got to go move into the projects right but what's What's to stop you from saying, you know what? I made $100 million. I did better than anybody else I know. I have an ungodly amount of money that I'll never run out of, right? So I could take $20 million and I could buy myself a bomb-ass house. Now, I could take that $20 million and buy a whole neighborhood of $150,000 houses and I could go... And I could grab all of these people in shitty conditions that are so shitty that I don't want to live there because it's poison, right? And I don't want to put my money up to fix it because there's no return on investment. And there's so much violence that I'm going to have a very hard time creating the stability necessary to have a viable, profitable business. And I, as Kanye West, can't go to Chicago and say, hey, I'm from Chicago too, Let's be on some positive shit. And everybody's going to listen. I, as Nas, can't go to Queensbridge and be like, hey, uh, I'm opening a store. Let's be positive. Let's stop all the violent shit, and everybody's going to listen. I don't have that influence and power, even though I rep this shit everywhere I go. Right, Even though I got all this money, I can't buy any influence in that sector of civilization. And by (laughs) me not being there anymore... I'm agreeing even
0: less, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm agreeing that that's not the place to be. So if you want to be on some real shit, instead of that 20 million dollar mansion, buy a fucking uh 30 house nice suburban neighborhood. Not anything extravagant, regular nice middle class houses take 30 families out of the hood. Give them a house, collect the homeowners association fees. You know what I'm saying? You right, want right. to have it as Section 8? Well, you got income from the government indefinitely.
0: Right. And, you, and that's and not wrong. To right? capitalize on that, because it incentivizes the behavior.
1: Sure. Help those people. And guess what? You got 30 families that ain't on that bullshit. So right. I ain't coming here to bring any gangbang and a self-destructive, uh, negative-ass fucking shit, but you just saved 30 families from generational poverty that comes with being in a fucked up environment that's so pervasive that it makes it almost impossible for you to envision every anything else like dude you just saved 30 families 30, right.
0: and right and next year and next year everybody hashtag i mean everybody you know tag 50 cent we're gonna get me and him gonna do it again next year and then right. that way me and him split it two ways so the investment is smaller for both of us and we both get in return and we get another 30 families and then next year we're going to add lebron and then we're going to do this and we it could just keep snowballing until people just start to see and be like damn you know what this is kind of dope i want to get down with this and now people who don't necessarily have deeper connections to the community and nothing like that those people might say you know what Fuck it. this is just a cool thing to do right now i'm gonna do the same shit just setting an example for humanity, instead of saying y'all should be doing this, give us the money, y'all should be taking care of us this kind of way. The only logical way to do it and have any actual leverage is to lead by example. Because any t- any claim that you try to make on somebody else's revenue that they earned is going to sound ridiculous, no matter what you're saying. Even if you're saying, yo, there's people sleeping outside your mansion and they're homeless, you should feed them. That's going to sound like, bro, listen, that's my mansion. I bought it. Why should I feed them? And most people would agree with that. You don't have to. You don't have to. And I don't think it, too many people would fault you for not doing it.
1: No, but, it, but if you're peddling your identity and amassing social currency based on your perceived loyalty to your tribe, I think you have something more. That that should be held to account from you. Yeah, you should. If that's what you're saying, if the system is fucked and everybody is out to get you, and you can't really make it, even though you really made it, and then the only obligation you feel after making it is to buy a fucking ridiculously fancy European car. Right. Yeah. Let me let me spend a million dollar on a race car. Okay. Cool. I I mean it's your money. You can do it. Right. And I and I hate to put checks and balances on. You know, it's the free market. You were worth that much money. You earned the money. You have the right to spend it. Right. But I mean, if we're going to if we're going to peddle, you know, this currency as as leaders and do it as specifically along tribal lines. Right. Again, let's get down to brass tacks about results. What 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 has been the results of hip hop generating billions of dollars? Because right. I used to I remember in the 90s having conversations because hip hop still wasn't totally exp- uh, 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 um, it, it wasn't the pop culture music just yet. It was on its way, but it was still kind of if you were hip to some shit and you knew about some shit, it was still kind of cool. Uh, OK, somebody brought you a DJ clue tape and you got to hear some killer priest that, you know, was just circulating in New York at the time. Right. You know, shit was cool right and and there, and it there wasn't the internet going yet where you could just download everything like you know shit was you know it, it it wasn't the pop culture shit that it was now and I remember it being vehemently attacked, not just on you know well, they're just talking, it's not really music. it was you know all they talk about is you know horrible violent shit, you know what I'm saying uh, playing up the violent end of it and downplaying the philosophical end of it. You know, and both components were there. But I remember specifically being in defense of and it's like, look, if you're outraged about the lyrics. Right. Because just to uh, and, and and I'm glad I'm bringing this up too, just to kind of show I've always kind of been on the same shit, not to get wrapped up in my ego, but I've literally always been on the same shit. These are just words. Why are these words offensive to you? You know, they're talking about guns and they're talking about drugs. And I would pose this question to people. Well, because I remember getting in debates with some of my teachers when I was still showing up to a school. And I was like, well, you're right. They are talking about violent things. But, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones. Why? What does that say about us as a society that we're more appalled at the words that are depicting violent things then we are about the actual conditions that they're referencing right. like if you want to get rid of violence in hip hop if you want to get rid of references to drug dealing in hip hop fix those neighborhoods if if those if that's not the reality that's people that that the reality that people are living you don't get that music anymore
0: You don't get that music
1: anymore. So, you know, when people are just rhyming about, you know, I got to go to work and come home and feed my daughter and spend time with her, teaching her, you know, geometry, you know, when, when that's all there is around the neighborhood and that's so commonplace that that's what we're making songs about. Okay. You know, but it it seems, it seems so disconnected and so just the lack of humanity and, being so offended at the words and not being appalled at the conditions that they're referencing to the point where you feel obligated to contribute something to make that change
0: right i think that where the, where the change the disconnect happens is when those people well, first of all we feel like the condition is involuntary right so everything that people are, a lot of what they're experiencing is involuntary. They didn't ask to be there, even if they're sort of complicit in it at this point, they didn't ask to be there. So when you decide to make that music, right, of course, at first you're telling a story and you are connected to the environment. Once you become popular enough to get out of that environment, what's influencing you to still make the same music other than the generating of the revenue? So if your life changes and you're not, you know, in the same condition anymore, why is it that you're still with the murder talk and the drug talk and all of that kind of stuff? You're appealing to people who can't escape the condition that you escaped. And instead of giving them an alternative a existence and being, I guess, confident enough to just say, I'm going to just, you know talk my real life and whatever I'm experiencing right now, you rather would tap in to the dysfunction that got you paid initially. Initially. So I think that's where the disconnect happens is with people looking at the music itself is because they see that as you choosing to have fun with something that's so destructive and so deadly because they don't see it as like a, it's not, I know they say, you know, it's like a news report, like ghetto news report or something like that, but it's, it's not. You're having a great time. You're drinking at the studio. You're smoking. You have you got groupies like this right. isn't. At, there's no somber. Right, it's not no
1: sacred duty. Right no, here. you're having a
0: great <laughs> time doing this shit. You know what I'm saying? So you you technically you've already disconnected yourself almost from the reality of the shit that you're talking about. You have to to a degree if you want to be successful. You can't be I, still you know 100 like oh I'm in the street. That's not going to work out for this new business model.
1: And this is where we get back to the same thing, because because I, I know what you're saying, and the easy answer is, um, the destructive notion of um, reiterating and uh, reinforcing the notion of authentic blackness and tying it to all kinds of self-destructive things. Like that's one component of it. It's also the free market, you know? Because, listen, Pac had two conscious albums that barely anybody gave a fuck right. about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Nobody remembers. Like, I still listen to, uh, you know, um, Tupacalypse and uh, the other one that I can't say, Strictly. So, right. Right. you know, those and and I really like Strictly because it was a public enemy album. Really, the Bomb Squad was producing. He was on that conscious shit hard. That's that's who he wanted to be. You know what I mean? Or that's that's what was really in his heart to be. And the audience was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but once he started getting on that thug shit, oh, yeah. sales going up. So it's like, listen, I'm trying to feed you medicine. And not only am I coming at you like, um, yeah, I'm trying to make songs and 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 make money, right? But I care about this shit. I care about the conditions. I want to see it improve. I'm gonna give you Brenda's got a baby. I'm gonna give you some shit to think about. The streets are death row. I'm gonna give you some shit to think about, about these conditions and how they need to change and how we need to focus. And, you know, and people were just like, I don't give a fuck. Yo, that's cool you sell salads now. What's up with the McDouble? What's up with the McDouble? Cause I want the McDouble. So in the marketplace, and that's why, in full disclosure, you know, Nas is definitely my, my favorite, you know, and I, I love that he talks about that very struggle that you're citing. He's like, if I sound too smart, y'all gonna run away. Like, I gotta make songs about yay. Y'all don't give a fuck. Like, I, I, if, I, if I sound too smart, if I give you too much consciousness, I'm not interesting anymore. You know? And I'm just telling you, hey, you know, visualize a million dollars. And once you get your skills, you know, if you decide how you're gonna apply yourself, now it's grind time. And keep picking away at it until you get it. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he sprinkles... That positive shit is like, yeah, this is what you know. This is where I'm at right now, and I'm yeah. dis- and I'm disconnected from it, and I don't know necessarily how I'm supposed to operate in, in this realm, and I feel weird. You know, the doorman's calling the police on me because he don't think I live here, type shit. Like he's talking about his new existence, you know. But at the end of the day, if you want to be relevant in the music industry at this point, the battle of the '90s of what hip hop was gonna be, if it was gonna be KRS 1 and public enemy or if it was going to be NWA the war is over like there's oh, yeah. there, there's a clear victor so if you want to be relevant you don't need that conscious track that's that's not what's going to endear you to the audience you need that you need that straight out of Compton shit yeah
0: not the wider audience the wider for sure because most people are just involved at a surface level and they're not thinking that deep they just want to party and chill and listen to some cool beats so they don't have no reason to expect you to do anything more than that but there is more chance i think now for you to connect with people who do have those type of expectations from the music just because some people in that lane have been successful you got the internet blah 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 so you can still find your fan base i guess but as far as you know Big time becoming a millionaire and selling a million records type shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's pretty, you don't have a whole lot of options when it comes to that space. But that's not even, that's a way bigger problem because that's not really even the, the purchasing power of the people that it affects the most. Those are people outside that group who catch on to it. And that's how you get to, you know, perform at Coachella. It's not because people in Brooklyn like you. That's a right. whole nother audience. Like these people are in Beverly Hills and they're paying $400 for a ticket. So that's way right. different. And those are the ones who get you on that world platform to say, you know, I just shot a nigga and did a line of coke.
1: Right. <laughs> and, and, those, and that's kind of the, the people the, put you there for sure. Right. And that's kind of the gimmickiness of it, you know, because what hip hop, what, because what it was, I mean, it really was some goofy shit. If you really go back and you listen to some Spoonie G or some Busy B, oh, you know wow. what I'm saying? Yeah. You go back, I mean, it's some goofy the it's just some goofy fun shit. And there was a little bit, I mean, and arguably that's when, you know, New York was probably at its wildest and, and most violent, you know, late 70s, early 80s, right? So, You know, it's not that that reality wasn't there. It was just, that's not what we're going to make the music. Yeah. Like, that's, we understand, like, it's kind of a given. Yeah. It's from this part of the world. This is the shit that goes on. Like, even, you know what I'm saying? Reggae, you know what I'm saying? You go and listen to that roots reggae, like, uh, Kingston is probably one of the hardest hoods on the planet. (laughs) You know, it's some rough shit. It's some super rough shit, but they were still singing about fucking yeah. spiritual enlightenment. <laughs>
0: yeah, while you know, they, they was pulling you out of your car and cracking your skull.
1: Right, that that shit's going on. But listen, this isn't the this isn't the art that we're gonna create, you know. And you know, dance hall came along and it kind of served the same thing. So again, it's it's a part of the culture. That shit was coming out, right, and people decided that yeah that's not really what i'm into i don't you know that's cool you know babylon will fall and all right and okay you know open up the gates to zion cool whatever um who how many bu- how many gunshots like how many shots <laughs> yeah, that that's just just more interesting so yeah. that that's what kind of got you know that became the predominant sound and now when you say um and this is what's kind of stupid because you know whenever you say it's like oh well that's black music all all american music is black music like that's so yeah. the, so it's stupid to make any partitions but not every music in america is packaged as
0: authentic black
1: culture yeah you know it's good so, that jamaican right.
0: music has that uh that cultural at least uh they have a 50 50 right you know they got the yes. alternative capleton right
1: right because right. Right, right.
0: you can go 100 you know knucklehead dance hall right. and you can go 100 culture and still and, sell records and, right and still be popular you can still be touring in france and all that kind of like they're all over the world on big stages and they're expressing both sides of the culture so at least you have an alternative for the entry point that you want to have and another thing is that for some reason when dancehall dance hall reggae goes uh, international, I don't the the culture that influences dancehall doesn't go there with it. Maybe just so, you know like they might start dancing a little bit more provocatively, but they're not going to start cracking heads and because they're listening to Bounty Killer. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't, I, I work, I don't I think it so. happens like that with reggae music for some reason. I've never seen it. Like I've definitely seen people. Who, who thought they were gangsters because they was listening to gangster music, whether it was NWA yeah. or whatever. I've never seen that with dance hall, reggae music. Never. Right.
1: I, th- I think, right. I don't think it's necessarily exporting that, but it's but it is definitely there because the, I worked security a couple of times. Uh, the last time I worked security, it was at a reggae event. And when the 45-year-old dude pulled out a pistol, I'm like, all right, I'm good. Because wow. when you come into the club at 45 and you got the thing on you, you're committed. Like I'm oh, yeah. not I'm not I'm not talking him down.
0: Like He's going all the way. He's ready. This,
1: this is the last night that I'll be showing up. It's a party yeah, that's a party favorite, bro. That's how he rolls. That's Yo, amazing. So th- that's some shit that's just that's thugged out on a level. I don't understand, but that might have been on him. I don't think it was the music that made him that way. Right. So I, right, I, right. I get I get your point but that but but that shit is real i mean yeah. it's, it's some dudes who just ain't fucking it's around it's definitely
0: real i've just seen a, little, a lot more with hip hop i've seen people who were actively trying to get themselves charged up to do dumb shit by listening to dmx or, or onyx or something like that like a like a like a male porno scene like the flick getting <laughs> fluff you know yeah, they, they're like yeah we about I to gotta go do fuck something this stupid. dude i got to get excited about it yeah, you know, play so <laughs> that's 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 what DMX's music is pretty much for. That's that's male that's male fluffer music, right?
1: <laughs> Show me the scene where they're all lifting weights with their shirts off.
0: Yeah, stop yeah. drop. Open up shop, son. Yo, get me Yeah get I'm, my um, yeah. mojo flowing. <laughs> DMX is gonna get pissed. He's gonna hear this and he's gonna be mad. Nah, he's gonna no, be like, love me, be this about about- Different shows already with the same context.
1: <laughs> Listen, I, I don't want no problems with DMX. I love you, DMX. <laughs> hey, watch it. Watch it. Watch it. I don't want
0: you <laughs> presenting. watch yourself. Watch He's yourself. Presenting. Yeah, I,
1: but, but it is, it is again, just the to, to mock uh, 90s hip-hop hardness. I you you definitely brought to my attention that the, that that was the um that was the turning point. And I never put two and two together, but you know, cause there, there's other, there's some Onyx videos with a whole bunch of dudes jumping around, you know, and you know, shoulder to shoulder, crammed up, shirts off. It wasn't just DMX, but he definitely he perfected yeah, that. Yeah,
0: he he perfected he, it, and he had the lyrics to match. He had all the subliminal messages. He crystallized He's, it, man. Oh yeah, he and, and another it. thing, and you're gonna have to check this out. What came in? What came back across my consciousness? There's this uh. I'm not sure if it's a lyricist lounge thing or something like that, but it has DMX, Mike Geronimo, uh, Cannabis, I think Big Pun, and maybe they're being interviewed by Teray. I feel like, but there was it was part of some pretty. It was like a freestyle cipher kind of thing. But it was a. But that was part of a whole conversation. They were in this diner. They had a whole long conversation. Yeah. And then at the end, they all kick their own verses and stuff like that. Bro, DMX and Mike Geronimo were having a moment. I'm not going to go too far. (laughs) I'm just going to say... The DMX is like, yo, you, he he knows where I'm coming from. <laughs> he, he's like, I think I made a friend here. <laughs> yo, it's crazy. I'm gonna find the link and I'm gonna send it to you. We are gonna laugh about it next time we next time we link up. But it, it's bugged out, bro. DMX is definitely in his feelings. I don't maybe it was. Hey, I don't want to speculate. But with everything that we've uh, uncovered about this guy, you know, no pun intended. But when you uh. <laughs> You watch this video clip, it's gonna have a whole nother vibe. It's hilarious. But that's the homie though. Can't hate on the homie. For sure. That's the dog.
1: Sure. Listen, I, I love I love Ghostface. I, I always hear aggressive Greg now.
0: Some, <laughs> that's, some that's, that things, is that's the truth.
1: <laughs> some of these things, it's look, this the it's the point of no return, man. <laughs> and and I and I recognize when I got old, because it was some shit that I just couldn't listen to anymore. Where I'm like, I can't believe I was into this. Yeah. Like I just can't do it. Like there's some. Like, like, I think everybody went through the phase where Ice Cube was your favorite rapper. Oh and God. he was definitely my favorite rapper for a minute when I was young. And uh, there's certain Cube shit that I listen to now. I was like, I can't do it. I just can't. I can't. It's too... Like, I can't listen into NWA anymore. Seriously. I, and I was never super-duper into them. But I just remember, like, I could like there's certain shit. Like, The Chronic, because of the beats. You know, that's, that's maybe some of the best production ever. The the right. chronic and doggy style is just to this day incredible, but it just it just some of the lyrics it just seems silly now. Like this is silly. It's silly.
0: I can't I can't take this. Yeah, I can't I can't do it. it. I used to listen to uh I used to go back to a lot of that old stuff for a while, but eventually it just gets to be too much. And you can't um it gets harder and harder to make excuses for it in your own head. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It gets it gets really difficult to be li- the only person it, this the mechanism in my brain does not activate when it comes to Sean Price. Yeah, it just doesn't. I can listen to Sean Price talk the most ignorant shit, just nothing because but it's threats. And, right, but I just I love it when it's him. Right. But uh, I can't listen to MOP though. I can no? I can't listen. No, I can't do it. When MOP, all kinds of flags go off in my head. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I, it's too much. Maybe see, it's because I, I feel like MOP and somewhere deep down inside really I, I feel like they're committed to that shit in real life. I feel right. like Sean Price is mostly rapping, but under the right circumstances, will probably punch you in the mouth. And I can't oh, hate only,
1: on him. Oh, he wouldn't look for it. Right, He's but not I feel going like out MOP of his way to fuck
0: you up. Yeah. Yeah. MOP different.
1: might instigate some shit, is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, they
0: they want to fight.
1: You see <laughs> hope I, the I,
0: fight starts.
1: I can see I the reason I got them in because. And that was, to me, the big difference between West Coast shit and East Coast shit, was that East Coast shit, you were still expected to be clever, to have some punchlines. So, like, when you listen into M.O.P., when you listen to Sean Price, it's still kind of in that red man, over the top, talking shit, bravado. Like, I still just see that as MCing and not, like... I'm I'm really gonna do this, even though I know what you're saying. The red flags go off because yeah, they probably would. <laughs> but like with, with Dre and Snoop and all of the shit out of that era, it's just like, yeah, we're gonna kill you. Uh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do some violent shit. It's nothing, there's no punchline. Right. There's no there's no nope. cleverness. To just it. bullets. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and and the West Coast rappers that were clever, like hieroglyphics and shit and Razkaz, they all kind of got treated as, uh, y'all really some Y'all sound like East Coast rappers. Yeah. Because y'all ain't really repping that kind of style of shit. So they got That's thrown hard, in man. they got thrown in a totally different uh totally different um they got a thrown category, into a totally yeah. different category. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I can't, I can't uh, I can't tolerate it anymore. And mostly it's mostly older stuff because I think the newer stuff that I try to listen to, it's really only certain types of people. I think if you have any remnants of gang culture or anything like that. I, I just, I'm already done. I don't even want to hear it. I, can, I don't even yeah. have the patience to try to hear if you can actually rap or not. If that's your style, if that's your whole, you know, a whole bunch of your homies are dead. And I got AK 47s and he tried to shoot at me in front of my grandmother's house. I'm like, nah, I, I, I'm good. Bro. <laughs> I'm good. I don't need to hear this shit.
1: Yeah, I can't, I can't, man. And you know what? And that was really, um, you know, 50 cent. And I kind of like, that's, that was like the blueprint for modern music too. He was he was a turning point in the culture as well, cause he he was a little clever, but not really. Like how to rob an industry, dude was probably as clever as he got. And then after that, it was it was kind of everybody was running with pop shit. You know what I'm saying? It's I'm telling you, in reality, what I'm doing, I don't need to be clever about it, and it's selling it's selling that image. And the music is connected to selling that image. Any element of MCing and being clever is totally removed out of the equation at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can't I can't deal with it, man. Yeah, I have man, no patience I'm a, I'm a, and I don't I'm care. I'm a
1: big Master Ace fan now, man.
0: Oh, Ace is dope, bro. Dude. Ace has always been dope. He's uh always Disposable been dope. Arts is one of my favorite oh, albums dude. of in the last freaking decade or whenever it came out. It's been one of my favorites since then. Disposable arts is amazing.
1: Dude, it's fucking great. Yeah.
0: And there absolutely. was a
1: couple after that, um I could be I could be Wait a minute. Was that the one
0: with? Um, it was the theme where he was like getting out of jail and going to college.
1: Right, right, right. Uh, why are you fucking around with that? And uh, yeah, nah, yeah, nah, nah. That shit was yeah. was fire. Yeah.
0: Every or just the whole. You gonna do tied some shit? Altogether. You
1: ain't even gonna get paid. You gotta pay them. Right. It's fucking stupid.
0: Yeah, the yeah, fact yeah, that yeah. they all that they tied it all together, and I'm sure it doesn't take a whole lot of work. I mean, if you have it in mind the whole time, because some of those songs could have just been dope songs that he had on the roster. But he built a little skit before and after to fit it into the overall theme of the album. And you just got to appreciate that type of effort because nobody expects it from a hip hop album.
1: Right. He went after um the Born to Roll sitting on Chrome shit. I forget the name of that album um, where he was like with the INC. He was he was doing shit with West Coast
0: dudes. Yeah. You know, the album I'm talking about. I don't remember the name of it, but I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he was. I remember. Onto a
1: thug from around the way. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, said, yeah. So you
1: better take it easy. Yeah, and he was he was rapping different back then too, but after that album, he got on some like positive man dad shit. Yeah, and like now as an old man, I'm like, yo, I love those records. Disposable Arts. There was another one I'm trying to remember. Like, um, he's got a line in there. Like, uh, he says his name is uh. Billy from 4B, but
0: his name really mm-hmm. is Rashawn, Rashawn 4C. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that. Oh, that sample, that song, that beat was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. That. Bananas. Let's say, take, a a, such, that yeah, take a walk in the that that
1: crazy. Blue Skies,
0: Sunshine. Yeah. Amazing. That whole record, bro. The whole record is amazing. From but that top wasn't top.
1: Disposable Arts. What was, I can't remember the name of that record.
0: That wasn't on Disposable Arts? Was it or wasn't it? I think I might be getting Yeah, confused Let's take something. a walk through the hood. Yeah, yeah. that because he was that's when um Who was when it he he said it was school, all good? When he gets yeah. to the school, his roommate is Paul Barman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's you know like, I kind of
1: rap too. He's like, Where are yeah, you yeah. from? I'm from yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Brooklyn. Yeah. And that's when he breaks down the whole song talking about his hood. Yeah, you know, see that's what I'm saying. He could have had a song about his hood, but the fact that they added that little interaction between them and that led into that song is just that's just dope shit. He didn't have to do that, but he did. Yeah, and man. that that made it to this day. That's one of the most one of the dopest albums that you know for a fact. You can sit down and listen to top to bottom. You almost have to because it all makes sense together. So yeah. if you go listen to one song, it makes you want to hear the rest of the album. Yeah, and, and that's rare. That's rare how many how many albums can you think about if you go hear one song you're going to want to hear the rest of it
1: listen that's, Prince, that's special Prince Paul was really the dude I think that really introduced that into the game with with De La, was uh you know the the skit shit. I don't know. did you ever hear a Prince among Thieves no okay that's and I think I forget it might have been on that record. Master Ace used that same uh Sil Johnson uh sample uh that big daddy came rhymed on on that prince among steves there was another album i wish i could remember i know i'm gonna forget it or i'll remember it as soon as we're off but yo prince among steves is one of the uh most slept on which in my opinion is the best prince paul project that he ever put out he had uh he had big daddy Kane on there he had de la soul he had everest uh, everlast he had uh Sadat X exhibit, Mm -hmm. and he basically did like a whole story with these two um they weren't super popular rappers at the time, but one of them was from the Juggernauts. I forget his name. Okay. And um and him and this dude, uh this other dude, I can't remember his name, but they were basically like the main characters, and the dude gets um caught up in drug dealing because he needs to make some quick money so he can get his um uh, demo ready cuz he has a meeting with Riza. Oh, so, is
0: it um uh breeze ever flowing?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And uh Cool Keith is on there. So they got a song where um yeah. you know, yo dude, I need to get you a piece. You know, we're going to go see my man. He's got all kinds of guns. So they go to buy the um the guns from uh Cool Keith and he's like, "All right, let me show you my collection." Don't tell nobody in the projects. And then yeah, right. he just he makes a whole song about he's like I got natural uh, natural Glocks you load with rocks <laughs> like just ridiculous
0: <laughs> shit. Yeah, leave it to him, right?
1: <laughs> Yo, that that yeah. is a fucking great album. And then there's a song on there with um with Sadat X and Exhibit when uh, the dude finally goes to prison and they're like the inmates greeting him into prison.
0: Nice. And they just check it out. I'm I'm happy to listen to it. You know what else it reminds me of? Not to uh, that deep of an extent, but artificial intelligence, De La Soul's joint. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. They had
0: the Ghost Weed skits and shit. And that that was so classic. That shit was amazing. So I I like stuff like that that helps tie the album together. I don't even know. I I, I haven't listened to a complete album in, I can't even tell you the the last time I listened to a complete album. So I wouldn't even know what type of stuff is going on at this point. Everything is in playlist now.
1: Yeah, I haven't listened. The only albums I'll listen to for real is, I mean, is Wu Tang, Nas, and Kanye. Well, actually, I'll buy the whole album and I'll listen to it. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I don't know, man. I can't, I, you know, and it just may be the hateration.
0: But yeah. I just, I just have to find something to try to get into, man, just to see, you know, what it's like. I mean, if everything is just. You know, a collection of songs, or is there some overall effort still being put into that kind? Of, I don't even really, I don't even know. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think said G is on there too. It's, it's, um, it's like a thematic. I think, uh, he called it like it's like a hip hop opera. Like it's so every song, it's like because you know how Prince Paul would always do those skit albums, so he was like, I'm gonna do. I'm going to tell a story as skits except each phase of the story, each act of the story is going to be its own thematic song. Mm, And then I think like De La, I think the song De La Soul is on is like they're junkies. So like, so he starts becoming a drug dealer and like their whole song is about being like addicted to drugs and like, hi, we're the friendly neighborhood junkies. And it's like a real happy, upbeat song. It's definitely a, a prince among thieves, man. That's, that's that's probably the best shit Prince Paul ever put out, man. That's a classic. Dude. I'm gonna check it
0: out. That's gonna be the move. I'm gonna have to uh, next time I'm on Photoshop or whatever working, I'm gonna just throw that on and vibe with it. Good stuff. Beautiful. I'm gonna man. check out the De La Soul too again. I haven't listened to that in forever, bro. And uh, um, just yeah. uh, not. That's about to say disposable arts again, but uh, nah, artificial say Thump, man. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. That just, was I, that was a dope fucking album, man.
0: Yeah and and yeah. it got and it got super slept on that joint yeah, with weird uh, was Freddie Fox yeah. Oh, yeah something weird was going on at the time i remember with the music wasn't that like cuz i remember being surprised that it uh, it must have been like at the height of like the whole like little john and all that kind of stuff there was like something totally different going on with the music when that came out
1: i don't think it was just yet i think that was like 98
0: really that, was it that early
1: Yes, because the first the because I think they had a couple of artificial intelligences. There was one with uh like this the track, the lead singer I think was like baby fat. But the artificial intelligence with the ghost weed was the one with um it had that jump, 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 yeah, yeah. jump to the getting the art of getting the art jumped. Of getting jumped. <laughs> you could be uh, like black people unite. Yeah, and people still want to fight.
0: Yeah, Artif- um, artificial intelligence Mosaic Thump came out in two thousand. Wait a minute,
1: but but wasn't that's what it was called artificial intelligence? Um, yeah. and then and there wasn't Mosaic Thump like the tagline to it.
0: Yeah, Mosaic Thump. Oh wait, there was another artificial intelligence.
1: Right, there was like two of them.
0: Oh, what well, I don't remember what what was it called? I don't remember it what it's called.
1: Because the the love movement came out. Right along the time of artificial bionics,
0: bionics, bionics, that was, was the, the second yeah. one that came out in 2001. But uh, the first one was 2000, you know, mosaic thump was 2000, and before that was stakes as high, stakes as high was 90, was 96. I thought that was 98, but okay, so stakes as high was 96, and then artificial intelligence mosaic thump was 2000. So yeah, so that was if you look at um. Let's see what rap albums came out in 2000. <laughs> That'll yeah. probably tell you exactly why that album felt so weird for some reason. I just remember getting that De La Soul album and being like, "Wait, where did this come from? How is this here?" But yeah. I don't know, man. So that was the same year as Supreme Clientele.
1: You don't want to start that shit. Yeah,
0: but not that I was had listening.
1: that solo.
0: Country Grammar came out in 2000.
1: Uh, Yeah, no, this was, this was, this was, this was the end of the the rodeo.
0: Oh yeah. Ludacris, Outkast, Nelly. Yeah. There was a lot going on in, in, uh, in 2000. And it just seemed like that stuff, I guess maybe where I was at anyway, that other stuff was getting a lot more play. Like, okay, Jurassic 5, Quality Control came out in 2000. Stuff yep. like that seemed like such a rarity in 2000. I remember being oh, so for grateful sure. for it. Yeah. Like, already in 2000, it was we were over. grateful for Jurassic 5. Like, oh, yeah. my God, I'm so happy that something like this is getting some spins. Because it was about to yeah. be over, bro. Mystical oh. had it out. It was, it was yeah. a wrap. It yeah, was that's wrap that's
1: when, you know, the, the, the seeds that No Limit planted came no. to full fruition yeah it was the end that, it felt like
0: the end bro it felt oh, like no. the end that freaking de la soul album felt that was that was manna from heaven at the time bro. it wasn't just a regular oh yeah another rap album we were thankful for that shit because <laughs> we, no, we saw um, this was coming
1: oh it was red man oh yeah ooh, that was a big yeah, yeah that was a big one and-
0: don't 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 I think that was the single if I'm not yeah mistaken. that was the, I, yep that was definitely the single because they had a video where it was like Wizard of yeah. Oz it yeah was like Wizard of Oz
1: and, and then there was that shit who you
0: fooling dun, 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 I so much dope shit yeah. was on there
1: yeah so man so and that was and that was and then Pharaoh Monch and Black thought were the ghost uh, weed.
0: yeah the, yep.
1: just, that ver- that
0: Pharaoh Monch verse yeah. to this day. You go listen to that Pharrell Madgo Sweet skit to this day. It's like, yo, this dude is a literary genius. Dude, his
1: first solo album
0: oh, is oh, probably bleats. one of the
1: most Internal underrated. Affairs? Yes. The what? most underrated records of all time. Yeah. yeah. That shit with MOP is hard as fuck. That shit with Buster Rhymes was some just some other shit. Yeah. When you got a song called Rape
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and um oh no, that wasn't on. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about um the last organized confusion album. They had a song called Hate.
1: Oh, Equinox, the, yeah. Right,
0: Equinox the rape. Right? That was the continuation. I think that was the continuation. <laughs> that hate joint. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. That was amazing. To have I've never heard rappers rap from never. the point of view of white supremacists. No. That was some First. gully shit,
1: bro. Yo, they were they were and, and I, it was because of their production that they got slept on. They never really had, like, their best production was on stress. And even that was still a little too, like, obscure for people. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, like, you. Re- I think you really had to be into hip-hop to really appreciate them. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I know a lot of people that I would try to put on to them, they just couldn't get past the beats. I'm like, yo, these beats are dope. What are you talking about? Yeah, it was
0: next-level shit. It just
1: wasn't... I found out yo, about... 13?
0: I found out about Bjork yeah. because of Pharoah Monch. Because of uh, um, Organized Confusion used a Bjork sample. And I that's had no cool. idea... Yeah, they used a Bjork sample. On, it might have been on Equinox. And I had no idea who that was. And I wanted to find out where the sample came from. And that's mm-hmm. how I... And we was at... um. We was at a, hanging out at a college at the time. so And it turned out that some people that we knew, some white kids, knew the sample. And they told us about uh, Bjork. Yep,
1: yeah, that's crazy. Dope.
0: Yeah, that was before we could Google shit and all that. You know what I'm saying? We, yeah. There was no real way to find out who where that sample came from or who it was. We didn't have no record sleeves and nothing. We just had tapes and it worked. But yeah, we, that's how I found out about Bjork because of Dude, organized confusion.
1: It, it was always dope. I remember when I heard that Isley Brothers song, I was waiting... My mother went into Walmart and I waited in the car and the radio was on. I'm like, "Oh shit. Today was a good day." This is where it came from. I had no idea.
0: Oh, it's those beautiful when you hear those like samples. fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's special, bro, when you yeah. hear it and you think it's your you think it's the song you know. And right. then you just hear some some old people singing on it. Start, You're like, what the <laughs> hell is this? <laughs> yeah, oh, listen, to yeah. listen to Isaac Hayes. This is Isaac Hayes. you would be like, oh, yeah. I know all of this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some shit just. Oh, please, you want to really? Uh, Al Green. Drop some kids oh, crazy. Start playing Bob James. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Start playing Bob James. You'll hear everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything he's like, okay. From so Airplane Rockham.
1: <laughs> uh, Ghostface. Everything. Empty. Yeah. Yeah. L.L. Cool J. I
0: yeah. think he's officially the most sampled artist in hip hop. He might be, man. I uh, think he's, I think it's official. I, I'm pretty sure I saw an article about that where they gave him some award. Like they they really gave him an award because of all the stuff that uh, that that hip hop has taken from him for so many years.
1: I mean, it's it's it's, it's Bob James, James Brown, uh, Al Green. Uh, there's a couple that have been that have been go tos.
0: Yeah, uh, trying to think of some, um, there's some really popular breaks and stuff that people have been using for thirty years. Yeah. Stop. Oh yeah, but those anything with just
1: the drums. Yeah, So the actual samples. I remember the um, what was it? The uh, was it the emotions? I can't remember. I can't remember. But there was that sample that um, I want to say it was Smokey Robinson and the Emotions, but I could be wrong. That sample that uh, RZA used for "Verbal Intercourse."
0: Oh, I don't, I don't remember. Yo, I know the that, song, but I don't remember the sample.
1: Yeah, cause if it, cause, cause when you hear the song, it's like, but what if he? Uh, it's like, but what if he leaves me? Or some, some, where she asked the question, and when you're actually hearing the beat. You don't know, you kind of don't know what is being said there, but it just lands on the snare so perfect. Right. Like it becomes part of the snare. It's just some cool shit that you just you don't get without without uh sampling. Like that that was why definitely my favorite era in hip-hop. Cause you just you get some weird musical effects that is just is is just unique. Just something yeah. weird of like where the sound lands. And you get it confused like, well, is that a horn or is that a voice? You don't even know what the fuck it is.
0: Right. And it's because of somebody taking something that they're not completely connected to and and using it in a way that it wasn't intended to be used. And it creates this this wild eeriness, this weirdness about it that's so appealing because it's like they don't have the people who made that music had such a high regard for it and then yeah. you take it and just rip it in half and take a few seconds and scratch on it it's like you're it's like almost like your disregard for it made something more beautiful it's it's a very very weird thing and it doesn't it doesn't always happen but i think that's on on the foundation of why we like that sample so much not that sample but sampling in and of itself yeah. so much cuz a lot of us didn't really know like i i had a collection well, my father had a collection of records that he left in the house, my grandmother's house, and I used to listen to a lot of old records. But even then, I wasn't hearing, I was hearing a culture that created a lot of my favorite samples, but I wasn't hearing the samples themselves. It took it for a lot later for me to start just stumbling across them. And then once YouTube got right. more popular, you could hear the songs. But they weren't already in my consciousness as a kid, not an exact one-to-one, like, old oh, that's freaking such-and-such sample. I didn't know right, that, right, right. but I knew so many other records and so many other, like, I totally understood where the music was coming from. So to hear it flip that way, you could you could just kind of respect it. And that's probably what most of us were, because our parents were listening to all that shit. You know, the radio stations was playing it all night, playing Blue Magic and and all that, you know. All, I, I, was that even R&B? What was that shit? <laughs> What is that shit they were listening to? I don't even think that's R&B. Smokey Robinson and shit like that. I don't even know if you can classify that as R&B. Maybe. But growing up listening to all of that, and then you hear hip-hop take off the way it did. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure I had heard the Juicy sample before. I I know I heard that original song before, and they didn't even try to like hide that. Early hip-hop was kind of trying to hide things, but by the time Puffy came around, he was like, I'm going to just play the whole song, and you rap on it.
1: Yo, and and that's kind of that's one of the things I love about Puff, man. I yeah. really, in, in hindsight, in hindsight, is kind of the most like fuck it, the fuck it attitude, and it was it was the best business model. Yeah, he it he worked. was by far the most successful. He's like, yeah, I'm, cause I can't get mad at him either, cause some of my favorite beats of all time are loops. They're just, they're just loops. Yeah. Uh, Cream, just a loop. But it's it's the best part of it um yes. even mask off I mean you could argue some of the shit that they're doing now because they gotta put in a little more effort in programming the drums you know uh, instead of just layering a break over it right like they're they're programming uh a lot of you know the um the trap drums or whatever whatever the, the these kids are calling them but like even when you listen to you know uh the little f- flute shit that future sampled it's like okay you found the best 4 seconds of the song right like rizza was a master of that dre was a master of that like you find some of the best dre samples like oh shit you just took the loop but you will listen to an 8 minute song and like yo these 3 seconds are the only thing that's worth a
0: fuck on this entire 8 minute thing yeah. and like, hip hop forces you to shit. think like that Hip hop makes you think like that because you'll start listening to music and you hear that one piece and you'll be like, Oh shit, there it is. Like you don't even hear it as a whole anymore. You hear that one piece and you're like, that's where all the money is, right there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Those few seconds, that's the money.
1: Yep, they got it. I forget it. I think it was Brother Jack McDuff, where the scenario sample comes on. Yeah. And as soon as it comes on, you recognize, like, oh bitch, this is scenario. You know, and there's so many different pieces to that song. And I even like it is like Rizzo sampled that and People song on like four different beats. He's just like, yo, I, yeah, I'm going to use this part. I'm going to use this part. I'm going to use this part. Well, Same can. song, four different pieces, to, to, four totally different beats. He's like, you hey, know what?
0: I can loop this part. If you can get away with it and, and, and still you know make some create some revenue off of it, why not? And I bet you he didn't even have to re-clear it either. <laughs> He's like, no, yeah, I already problem. cleared that one. It. It I'm allowed cleared. to make beats with this shit forever and perpetuate. forever. I'm just going to keep milking it. Hey, if you can get away with it, I say go for it. The least amount of effort that, if you can be celebrated for using the same sample in three different joints, then why not? Why shouldn't you? You just got right. three completely different songs out of the same record.
1: And who's gonna know except assholes like me?
0: They exactly. Like, yeah, I know that record. And nobody wants to hear about it either. Nobody's gonna care. You're gonna be like, hey, you know, he used the sample two other times. You're
1: like, but I, but like, I'm not even mad because all the times he flipped it was dope. Yeah. He, he did it once with uh, the Jizza, and then there was Beretta Nine, and then he uh, gave it to Raekwon for a, um, a track he did with um, Rick Ross. And I'm like, oh, this is the same song, but yeah. you flipped it a little bit different. Good for you. You know, because speak, speaking of that Feral Mon shit, that was incredible. Um, the Diamond D beat on that album with Common, and I think Talib Kwali's on there. The Truth, right? Yo, that shit is fucking incredible, and just just the loop, nothing yeah. magical about it. Um, that uh that flavor of the month with Black Sheep, just the loop, and you go back and listen. It's like yo, you got the best. But what I liked about those dudes too. Is they used to layer so many. That's what I love right. about the early 90s right. shit. Is that it's five different records lined up and tuned in to make it all make sense layered on each other. Like none of these songs are for the same shit. Like even on that flavor of the month when when um it's so dope about that shit is the drums, the drums got a fucking guitar shit in there. So like they're just like okay, right. well we'll just use this weird like we'll just make it go with this
0: baseline. And, and it how do sounds you even like hear it's... that? Right. How do you even hear that? I and think a lot of that shit is. Just... that. Yeah. Wow. That's
1: amazing. I think shit. I think they get lucky. I think you're fooling around with some shit, and it and it just so happens to land. Like you're doing some blends, and it just happens to work. Like okay, I can layer this shit and it works. Um, but um. You know what shit was fucking amazing even to this day? And you go back and listen to it and you realize like they were doing shit with like 12 seconds of sample time for like a whole fucking song. Right. It was uh, stunts, blunts, and hip hop, man. Oh, please. Even his fucking skits, his throwaway beats are like, yo, that shit is great. Like every time Big L gets on on that that, that skit, yo, this is the big motherfucking L. I'm like, (laughs) why did no one ever rhyme on this beat? Right. Dude, dude,
0: dude, dude. That was some phenom shit, dude. You know, anyway. So that was shit. That was just, I mean, this dude. I, I never really got too deep into him as a rapper, but I know a lot of the beats that we were listening to and vibing with when we were young. He had something to do with producing, but just as as a rapper, I never really got too much into him. So I didn't learn to follow him because we weren't really too much following producers back then. Right. Every now and then you get lucky with somebody like a Pete Rock or something like that where you knew old Pete Rock beats but for the most part we weren't really following producers and who made this beat, who made that beat. We just liked whatever we liked. But I definitely remember that being a thing at the time. I remember that I remember in Jersey and shit when this was like a a moment. I definitely remember that. Was this where was that where uh... No, that wasn't where the Best Kept Secret song was on, right? Yeah. It is? Okay, okay. Because
1: I'm the Best Kept Secret. Diamond yeah. D. Deep. Yeah. I crushed yeah. the motherfucker.
0: Yeah, I remember that whole era, that whole movement. I can almost see the other videos that was on the the, the music box at the same time. <laughs> there was some positive K. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got a <laughs> man. Yeah, there was definitely some positive dun, K around dun, that time. Dun, 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 dun.
1: What's that your man is got a that's a
0: problem problematic song. Oh, super rapey yeah. by today's standard. That's like
1: that's hip hop's Pepe Le Pew song, you know. Yeah. But she said oh, she's got a shit. man, dude. Hip-hop,
0: What's your man got to do Pepe with Le Pew.
1: me? He's just he's just relentless.
0: Oh, bro, that was the same year, nineteen ninety two. Yeah, not,
1: Yeah, that was that was that was kind of a weird time because even on Stunts, Blunts, and Hip Hop, I forget. I forget the name of the song, but you could tell it was like this was supposed to be the commercial song. Where it's like, it's Friday night. I think I'm so confused. And it had that, it kind of like that corny Bell Biv DeVoe, Father MC kind of wow, vibe. Okay. Like there was shit where there was like that commercially viable kind of sound. And then there was the shit that that I liked. Like, and, and Diamond D had one of those songs on there. Because, like, yeah, Positive K, I was like, eh,
0: I mean... Oh, and Sally a got a one-track mind, too. Oh. I remember that. That was the joint. Yeah, I, I remember this. Dude. The more and more I'm looking at it now, it's starting Dude. to come back a little bit.
1: <laughs> I Dude, definitely remember that. That album the album is incredible. Yeah. That album is incredible. He had Fat Joe on there. He had a uh, Brand New being on there. That was a fucking great album. Yeah, and I think uh Q-Tip was on uh, the production... I think it was on that um the doom 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 keep it simple stupid was the keep name it of it
0: simple that. yeah yeah yeah
1: and then the way he laid it. I mean that that album that's one of those albums that make me think it was the same as like black sheep's um uh wolf in sheep's clothing where like they were so musical with that shit. Yeah it's right they got horn a horn section coming up for the hook there's build-ups there's change ups it wasn't like, yo, this is just a loop and we're going to do it through the whole song. Like, it's, it's amazing, man.
0: It's at- stuff in there that you would never know is in there unless you broke the beat down piece by piece. Yeah. There's stuff that's playing in the background, little screams. Yeah. Or just kind of, bro- just whatever it is, you'll just hear it repeating in the background. If you heard the instrumental by itself, you'd be like, what the hell is that? And it's just a split second from some whole other record that some sound they, some sound they, unearthed and was like, yep, let's use this. And it yeah. just worked. And if you took it out, if they took it out, you'd you'd know it was missing.
1: Yeah. I I I miss I miss that style of production, man. Yeah, that, that by far is my noisy.
0: Point. It was, yeah. you know, it was noisy. It was so static. You know what was heavy with that? Um There is a dark side. Redman's yeah. second album. That it, it had this whole psychedelic energy to it. That shit was amazing. It, it was definitely a lot different. Than his first album to me. It still has some of the same elements, but I remember just so the random went noises and so- yeah, yeah, De- definitely. But I, I loved it, I loved that type of production, because that was super stacked too. And it was also with sounds that you wouldn't expect to hear. You know, I don't and know where he was getting a lot of that shit from, probably from this cosmic slop itself.
1: Yo, he was, um, you know, Eric Sermon is a real, like people don't talk about him like in the same kind of um, like with like Diamond D or Prince Paul or RZA or DJ Premier, DJ Premier was definitely the first where I was like, you know, cause you read the inserts and I was starting to figure out consistently, like my favorite song on a lot of albums was the DJ Premier beat. Like right, right along, right around the time that reasonable doubt came out, I, I that, that's when I've, I figured out like, okay, if I really like a beat on an album, it's probably DJ Premier. I right. just I just started figuring it out. Like, oh, this is this is my this is my favorite song on the new Nas album. Oh, it's it's DJ Premier. Oh, it's my favorite. This is my favorite song on this Freddie Fox album. Oh, it's it's, it's DJ Premier.
0: Yeah, Yeah, he's super recognizable too. Like, you only, yeah. You all, yeah, you automatically know as soon as it starts, ten seconds into the beat, you're like, you could take a guess and be like, yeah, that's Premier. Yeah. I don't know a lot of other producers you can do that with. You, there's probably some Pete Rock beats I could guess, but there's probably a few I'd have no idea on. Yeah. But I, I feel like I could pick out almost every premiere beat.
1: You know who I never got as a producer? And I hate to say it like to be an asshole, but I just, it's, it's just the God's honest truth. I never understood the appeal of Swiss beats. When, yeah. when Swiss yeah. beats was starting to become like the man... Like, with the Rough Riders days, you know, he was doing a couple of... Like, when I heard that... I forget which album it was with Jay-Z. It just sounded like random, like, Asian note strikes. Yeah. Like, there wasn't, like, a pattern to it where it was like... I'm like, what is this? This just sounds like random chaos. Like, I don't get the appeal to this.
0: Yeah, it sounds a little autistic.
1: But then, on um, the Blueprint 3, uh, the 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 song that he produced on there was the shit. I can't remember... Um... Damn, I can't remember the name of
0: it. Swiss has got a real Rain Man energy to him.
1: Sometimes <laughs> it's great, like, but there's a lot of beats from him that I heard. I'm like, this is awful. I don't understand. Yeah. I, I don't just why don't know why JC
0: keeps going to him? Yeah, just slamming on the buttons, making some noise. <laughs> get it, get it on the floor. You're like, okay, <laughs> calm down, buddy. <laughs> so, somebody put Swiss's helmet back on. <laughs> He's bugging over there. Yeah, he's the man though. I mean, on to the next one. Yeah, he's he's managed he's exactly. managed to uh extract a lot of revenue out of the business. So, yeah, he and tapped he got into with something. Alicia
1: Keys. That's yo, you won, bro. You won the game yeah. of life. Congratulations. Yeah.
0: He didn't have to abandon his original, though, you know, he was like I'm I'm going for the upgrade you out of here. Not not condoning it. I would <laughs> I would I, I would have
1: really tried to work that out as a situation where they both de- like listen, you're the one that's been with me the whole time that got me here. You're the one that my s- current status affords me. I kind of feel I need to be obligated to both. I would have tried to make that argument. Right. I would have tried to make that <laughs> argument.
0: Yeah, he's like, but if I have to choose. <laughs> right.
1: Now, you know, who knows? Maybe she he went to her with that and she was like, oh, no, you're not going to do this. Yeah. Like, all right. well, If I have you,
0: to choose. You know you're I'll competing
1: do. with Alicia Keys, right? You
0: know this, right? Like Like, I'll take my chances. All right.
1: Like, (laughs) like all men across all walks of life, all races, all nationalities, all sex. Like, there's, there's not a man on the planet who is not attracted to her. Like, I don't know what you want me to tell
0: you. Yeah, yeah. But you know, aesthetically and talent-wise, it's like I guess that's hard to, that's hard to compete with. Right. No, no. I don't think too many people blame them, especially males. Not many males blame them. There's, no. uh, there's a few angry uh females with hard jawlines out there that's probably sure. taking that personally. <laughs> but most dudes are like, I get it, bruh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't be, I can't be upset. He's got plenty of money to still take care of that family. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, you know. Yeah.
0: Chicks who mad at that, they lace front crooked. <laughs> <laughs> you're lace front crooked if you're mad at Swiss.
1: Listen, and 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 let's not uh let's not kind of throw out of the equation that um me as a man, I can't just be handsome and and get a mate. Like my access to the quality of mates is directly tied to my level of success in the world. Like, right. you know, I mean, maybe he didn't know he was going to end up being successful as he did.
0: Oh, that's such a but, terrible paradigm. That's so horrible. It's, it's like, look, I'm better now, so I just I got to upgrade. That's right. so horrible, man.
1: If Felicia Keys was like, "Listen, uh, I'm going to fuck you because you're moral," And if you leave your wife, that's not moral, so you have no chance with me. You know what I'm saying? But that's not the world we live in. No. Like, okay, no. you're you're worth millions of dollars too.
0: Right. So it just you makes know? sense. It's like just cut the dead weight, right? Cut off the sandbags and we can handle our business. And 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 the rest of society silently agrees because they're mad for a minute and then they're like, Yeah, we kind of get it. They they
1: understand. It. If I had they the understand. chance, I'd do the same example.
0: thing. <laughs> I'd do the same thing, buddy. You know, he didn't know he was gonna be rich when he met you. He had no idea how successful he would be. So you only have, you only owed the access to the person you met in the current state that you met him in. If he ever improves most, or gets yeah. any better, he's totally allowed to trade you in for a better model. The the most
1: moral thing that you can do is cheat on her with Alicia Keys, but stay with her. She'd have to understand that I'm at least going right. to cheat on you with her. right. But I'm still going to keep our family together.
0: That's true. That would that would probably be the the best way to solve it. But that's because,
1: as that's as moral as you can get.
0: Yeah, the that's the best. You is can not do. an option. That's the best you can do because that would satisfy everybody. Men would be like, "Yeah, true. Do what you got to do," but they would all still secretly respect you for your discipline and staying. And right. women would love it because they would just metabolize into, you know, at least he's coming home every night right. and paying all the bills.
1: He's not. He's not breaking up the family.
0: Right. So which, shit
1: just noble.
0: He missed a good opportunity. Yeah, but he I took mean, the this, easy way out. He just dropped her and kept moving. He took the easy way.
1: Yeah, my, my girl's already given. I got I got passes. I got passes that I can use. We have understandings. Oh,
0: Pat, ever, okay. oh if, listen. We're going to have to talk about that.
1: Listen, if if ever the situation arises. But yeah, we should we should definitely wrap it up. We solved enough of the world's problems, man. I'm going to go listen to some some positive master ace, dad, dad family-oriented hip-hop.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, man, catch me soon. If we got time in the middle of the week, Holla at me. All right, right, will do.
1: My brother, be easy, man. All right, man, bless. Peace.